Welcome to episode number two of the Melbourne Northern Suburbs podcast. My name is Adam Roach and I'll be your host. In this podcast, we have part two of the interview with Danielle Green. So in this episode, we talk about where Danielle first grew up and also her love for sports and all the local footy clubs in the northern suburbs. We discuss how she has never broken an election promise. Danielle also informs us what to expect if she is re-elected, and there are some great topics that you want to hear, including new rail lines, new schools, more jobs. And then we finish the interview with probably one of the most important questions that you ever want to ask a politician. Make sure you listen out for that one at the end. Now, before we get into the interview, I'd just like to remind everyone, if you would like to become a sponsor of the program, then you can do so by sending me an email in the link below. So I've already got a few sponsors that are going to be starting up in the next couple of weeks. So I'm really looking forward to these guys getting on board. Or if you are a business and you'd like to be interviewed for the podcast, please let me know. Now let's go over to part two with Danielle Green. I had a look at some of your things on the, the website mm-hmm. and you had your, your grandparents quote. We said, if you see something's wrong in your community, don't sit back and complain about it. Get in and work and fix it. Yeah. So that's still your... Your main oh, motto, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I mean, I grew up in country Victoria. I was born in Melbourne, but mum and dad, you know, took us back to um, country Victoria, and that's largely where I was raised. And yeah. it's really sort of where my values were formed. And, um, you know, I went to Catholic schools. Dad was a serious church insect. You know, we've really had that social justice thing of, you know, that you have an obligation to look out for other people in your community and to do things in a collaborative way and you know don't be a whincher don't don't sit and you know when you see something wrong you know that you must get in and fix it and you know I had a a number of members of my family that you know had been local government councillors um you know had been active in trade unions you know my great-grandfather um, was active in the AWU. My my grandfather and lots of mum's cousins and other cousins have been shearers. Mm. We're in the Australian Workers Union. Um, yeah, so there was that idea of you just do things yeah, yeah. together. Mm. And we're big on on sport too, team yeah. sport. And when you work as a team, you know you get things done. Yeah. So I've been privileged to, uh, I suppose, be given those skills growing up and and having that as an ethos and. Um, and then to live and work in a, a, a community that is like that, you know, the, yeah. so many of the townships in Yan Yan uh, have that community ethos. You know, everyone who lives in Diamond Creek, where I live, we just say it's a big country town. Everyone knows each other. Um, the crime rates have always been low, always been one of the lowest in the state. Yeah. And, you know, we've never had Neighbourhood Watch. People just look out for each other. Um, really safe place to raise kids. And the community groups... Are remarkable mm-hmm. and you know and that's the same for for Whittlesea for Hurstbridge you know for yeah. um, Wallen that was a country towns now becoming a suburb but um, the settlement patterns say for a place like Doreen almost everyone that's moved there is from another part of Nelambic or, or, or Banyul but largely Diamond Creek you know and mm-hmm. so I lived there for six and a half years we called it Diamond Creek North but yeah. really the the community values um, have just shifted up there and despite it being a new suburb it's a very very connected community yeah. and you know really good solid community groups that are very new and and great sporting clubs you know Lorimer Football and Netball Club uh, has been going for seven years mm. and it's now the third largest club 
in the Northern Football League. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's remarkable. And they started out as a, um, a junior club, and then a lot of the dads thought, gee, I'd love to wear the same jumper as my kids. Mm. And uh, so they pulled on the jumper, and then um, I think within three years or three or four years, they were, I mean, they'd been in numerous uh, finals with the kids, but um, the Super Rules, so they established they were a junior club with Super Rules sides, and I think within three or four years, the Super Rules had won a premiership, and, you know, now they're a full-blown senior club, and it was only last year that they got a a senior men's side and a senior women's side. So I think it's a real example of a modern football club, and the history of that club um, when it talks about seniors football, will always be about the men's side and the women's side, and that's yeah. what their their um, honour roll boards will show. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, a, it's a really good thing to be part of. Yeah, and another thing I did notice on your the site that you you have never actually broken an election promise. No, no, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. <laughs> and um, yeah, some people find that hard to believe, and and I mean it's something that I think every Member of Parliament should do, or you know, in the unlikely event that you have to break a promise, yeah. you need to explain why. Yeah. Um, but no, I never have, and I don't think anyone should. It's the um, trust in politicians has never been lower, I think, and it really worries me that I think I saw a recent survey that showed that young people, um, I think it was almost half of them, didn't think that the democracy was the best system. Yeah. And you think, good Lord, yeah. we, we think a dictatorship is better. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in a democracy, I mean, we need to restore faith in our institutions, whether it's political, whether it's, you know, banks, um, aged care at the moment, churches, yeah. you know, um, because of the, you know, institutional child abuse. All of those things have taken a real battering and I think it's incumbent on every community leader and all those institutions to try and restore that faith. And I even work in my community too. Um, you know, I don't want to be at the local football or in the supermarket or at the pub and having people looking at me with disdain yeah. and me not being able to look them in the eye, you know, because I might be someone who doesn't keep my word. Yeah. It's important to me that I, I am, you know, I mean, doesn't... It's not about respect, it's just I want them to feel like they can trust me. And then if I say that um, I'm going to deliver something, then I do. And what I've really loved about the Andrews Labor government is that, you know, we've promised short and delivered long. Mm. Um, You know, many of the projects that we... Well, almost all of them we've promised have been delivered early. Mm. And they've been so much more than, you know, what I was saying before, than a construction project. But also, you know, we committed to uh, duplicate Yang Yang Road to Curragh Road, um, but we're building it to Bridging Road. Yeah. You know, we're, we're duplicating Bridging Road, um, we're duplicating Plenty Road to Bridging Road, we're duplicating Epping Road to Craigie Burmese Road, we're duplicating Childs Road, uh, upgrading uh, the, the M80. Uh, so yeah. these were all, and, you know, they were all things that, we hadn't promised to do, yeah. but we're doing them over and above. And I love being part of that team and that, that sort of government. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> well, I guess I, mean, I was going to ask you, like, is there anything else coming up that we should know about? But I think you've pretty much covered all the, oh, the things. Well, no, no, I think the, 
there's there's plenty of other things underway. Yeah. Um, I mean, before I just go into that, I, I did mention you know how great it is to be part of a team, yeah. and 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 I think we're seeing that uh, women in the Liberal Party, particularly in Canberra, are really arcing up. You know, the fact that Liberal women went into Parliament all wearing red in protest to show you know how they're not being supported, how they're being bullied, and how few there are of them, yeah. and. Um, I just love the fact that, you know, in the Legislative Assembly, when I sit with my um, Andrews Labor government colleagues, 50% of us are women. No one covers that because it's good news. Yeah, but yeah. I think that sends a great message to the community. It sends a great message to little girls. Um, there's only 88 women ever been in the Victorian Parliament yeah. and probably a quarter of those ever are in Parliament right now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's pretty remarkable to see that there's been that change. Um, in my adult lifetime because the first time I voted was when the Kane government got in and Paul Antona, who represented part of this area, was the member for Greensboro and she was the first ever um, female minister in Victoria. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now at the moment we have eight and we have a caucus that's half women. So, you know, and, and I've been really pleased to, you know, mentor others into the parliament but also at local government level um, yeah. I'm a member of the Victorian Local Government Women's Association and so I and other um, former councillors like Helen Coleman, former Mayor of Nellenbeek, you know, twice Mayor, longest serving councillor and longest serving female councillor yeah. um, in the Shire of Nellenbeek, Pam McLeod, former councillor in the City of Whittlesey and both of those women have been presidents of the Australian Local Government Women's Association. Yeah. I've been really privileged to work with them mentoring other women and... Um, Amelia, Councillor Amelia Stajova, who's only just 21, um, is currently the Deputy Mayor in the City of Wilsey. <laughs> so, you know, I get a real kick out yeah. of seeing someone, you know, well, a young woman, but someone that young who's grown up in this area, lives in Mernda, and it's giving young people a voice. And, yeah. you know, I had an, another little girl um, whose grandfather has the health food shop in, in Hurstbridge, and he said to me, Danielle, I have an 11 year old granddaughter who's obsessed with politics. Would you bring her? Would, could I, you know, how can I develop her? And I said, well, come in for lunch and for question time at Parliament. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this gorgeous little girl, um, Sienna, came in and, you know, she wants to be involved in political leadership and politics. Wow. <laughs> and so I've said to Amelia, okay, Amelia, you're 21. It's yeah. your turn uh, to mentor Sienna, who's 11 and living yeah. in Mill Park. So, you know, hopefully we'll see her do that soon. Yeah. But um, so, you know, that's part of the other joys of, you know, it can be delivering money or, or infrastructure and services, but also mentoring and, and advising other leaders coming up through, you know, yeah. men and women, but particularly because historically there's been few women, yeah. um, you know, to, to grow that pool. Yeah. Um, but in terms of uh, what next and what else we've been doing, I haven't talked about the Hurstbridge line. We, we've done stage one of the upgrade of the Hurstbridge line, and uh, so that's really improved service and reliability. It's meant more services uh, from Eltham, uh, and from Greensboro, um, but we've got unfinished business. We want to um, get re-elected so we can yep. do stage two, which we've done the planning for. Okay. Uh, so stage one did a whole bunch of track duplications so, and particularly put in a new tunnel uh, and track duplication between Heidelberg and Rosanna and uh, put in, uh, got rid of the um, uh, level crossing at Rosanna and also the level crossing at Grange Road, uh, Alfington. And uh, so both of those are gone now. Um, but the next stage, 
will be uh, duplicating the track. So if we're re-elected, I yeah. hope we have that great privilege yeah. because, you know, I want to make sure that the benefits flow, particularly um, beyond Eltham. So, you know, for Diamond Creek, Wattle Glen and Hurstbridge to have more reliable and more regular services, and they're all in my electorate. Uh, so how we'll be doing that is uh, duplicating the track from... We'll have a new station at Greensboro and a new bus interchange so that there'll be much quicker changeover between bus and bus or bus and rail and rail and bus. And uh, so then duplication from there through Montmorency to Eltham, but just stopping short of the station because we want to preserve um, the only timber trestle bridge uh, that remains in Greater Melbourne that's still in service. So okay. that's really important to the Eltham community and like I talked about with our other projects, yeah. you know, we want to respect what's important to the community and retain yeah. it. So then beyond there, you know, our aspiration is... So there'll, then there'll be six to seven-minute services from Greensboro to the city and every point in between. Um, for Eltham and Montmorency, that'll deliver 10-minute services... And in order to deliver 20-minute services, because we only have 40 throughout the day, um, beyond, we're going to duplicate another section of track between Diamond Creek and Wattle Glen. And so we did the study. We worked out we didn't need to duplicate all the way um, to Hurstbridge, which would have ruined the you know character of Central Hurstbridge by you know having more train stable in there, having the extra line, and also you know there's a pretty important parkland along the, that runs along the Diamond Creek yeah. uh, between Eltham, Creek, Eltham and Diamond Creek. So I'm really wrapped that we'll be able to do that. And um, so, yeah, that's the next stage. And a lot of people have asked me also about Mernda Rail, you know, and had a grizzle and said, why aren't you doing it to Whittlesea? No, really. And the same reason I don't want duplicated track to Hurstbridge uh, is the same reason I don't want a rail duplication from Mernda to Whittlesea because our green wedge areas are really important. They're a great part of the livability of Melbourne. Um, we still need areas to grow food. And, you know, with a growing population, you don't want to use up all your farmland to put housing in. There's also a magnificent red gum forest between um, Mernda and Whittlesea. And I don't want that lost. You know, mm. if, um, it, I mean, say, for example, for political reasons, if we just said, because it really, it doesn't stack up to extend a rail line eight kilometres for a population of only, you know, seven and a half thousand people. Yeah. Um, which is what you have in Whittlesea. And the people who live in Whittlesea, they want to retain it as a township. But say, for example, if you were to spend the money and the cost-benefit ratio doesn't stack up to extend it, the pressure from the White Shoe Brigade and from developers, um, the sort of people that, you know, Matthew Guy sits down with at a lobster cave, um, you know, drinking Grange, you know, they would put pressure on future governments and say, we want to develop every inch of land um, between Mernda and Whittlesea. And I don't want that. I don't think the community wants that. I also fought fires on Black Saturday. And, you know, we're coming up to the 10th anniversary of Black Saturday. I'll never forget what it was like mm-hmm. with the Sherwin Rangers alight and um, and huge parts of, you know, Mitchellshire, Whittlesea, Nilambic, Yarra Rangers and Murrindindi, you know, um, burnt because through the Kilmore East fire. Mm-hmm. Um I would be derelict in my duty if I advocated for increased population between Mernda and Dorian. You know, you could fit 100,000 extra people there. Um, Do I want an extra 100,000 people 
cheek by jowl mm. to such a fire-prone fire range, no yeah. way. Yeah. Um, so that's why my next rail project, along with the Hurstbridge Line Stage 2, is upgrading the Seymour Line. Um, it's not to say that development along the Hume and the Seymour Line, um, that's not fire-prone area. You know, Victoria is a fire-prone state, but it's all flat. It's um, it's not as valuable farmland as what we see in Whittlesea, um, and it's flat and grassy. Human beings can survive um, a grass fire much more easily than they can a forest fire. Yeah. And so I think it's really... Um, it, it's it's responsible from that point of view. Um, it's also more cost effective um, and it's also where the population growth is occurring. You know, to put a, a rail line through eight kilometres where no one lives, um, yeah. yes, I admit there's people at the end in Whittlesea, but you've already got people living in Wallen, Beveridge and Donnybrook mm. and, uh, and they deserve a better rail service than what they have at the moment. Um, you know, we're upgrading two of the stations, we're Upgrade. That's also on the Seymour line, so um, we're putting in uh, over $200 million into upgrading that line. Yeah. Uh, we've also done a study to, so we can connect that line into the upfield line, which will give an alternate path into the city and into yeah. the loop. Um, but also we've committed to do the airport rail line, which we've been waiting for a long time, but we want to ensure that regional communities uh, actually get the benefit of that. So having a connection... Um, from Broadmeadows uh, to the airport, that'll give another opportunity. So everyone mm. on the on the Seymour and the northeast lines, Seymour Shepherd and, and northeast lines, will be able to connect into the airport, um, mm. whether they're travelling, whether it's for work, and mm. and the same for people arriving. You know, it'd be great for tourism in our regions. Uh, people arriving at the airport will be able to catch a train, you know, to the northeast to Shepparton, to mm. Bendigo, to Ballarat, to Geelong, um, and I think. You know, that there's a lot of jobs in the visitor economy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm Parliamentary Secretary for Regional Victoria, tourism and major events. And, um, you know, tourism, the visitor economy is such a growing area. And, you know, I think having that infrastructure growth um, will facilitate a lot of that. When I talk about the Seymour line too, um, I'm really committed to having some local jobs and uh, particularly in the, um, uh, in the Southern Mitchell Shire, because, uh, you know, having people being able to work locally, it means they spend less time travelling, more time with family, more time in community, volunteering, yeah. coaching a local football club, all of that. And uh, But with our tax policies, uh, we've reduced um, payroll tax across the board, but uh, we've, um, in regional Victoria, including in Mitchell Shire, uh, payroll tax is 50% of what it is in Greater Melbourne. So therefore we're offering an incentive for medium to larger businesses or small businesses who want to grow um, to relocate to regional Victoria. Wallen and Beveridge are inside the urban growth boundary, but they're also in a regional shire in Mitchell. So I call it the special economic zone. <laughs> and uh, so I've been working with council up there trying to get businesses to establish so not only would that be good for locals to work locally, but I see that as an opportunity for people in other parts of the northern suburbs to travel out to work rather than travelling in. Yeah, yeah. So that means a more efficient use of freeways, arterial roads and train services because they're not, you know, they're not running empty yeah. on, on the way back in the morning peak. 
they could actually be running with people travelling outwards yeah. uh, to work, to education, to TAFE. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think that that's, that's really important. So um, economic development is really, you know, one of my passions. Yeah. And, um, you know, Nillandic Shire, I'd love to see more jobs in Nillandic Shire, and I think the visitor economy... Um, is a real opportunity for that because it's such a beautiful place. Um, and particularly places like Hurstbridge, I think they could be the next, you know, Warburton's or Dalesford's or yeah. somewhere like that, you know. Um, yeah, so on on jobs in Nellenbeek, you know, they have the highest number of, you know, for an area that is passionate about the environment, you know, one of the highest number of three-plus car households, um, one of the highest educated communities in, in Victoria, but they have the highest number of people that leave their local government area to go to work. Uh, so just imagine what we could do yeah. if we could grow local jobs in Nillenbeek. Um, it would make it an even more livable place. Let's hope so, you get re-elected. There is, there <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah. I, I think finally um, I, didn't, um, I didn't mention schools. Yeah. Uh, and we've built a lot of new schools. We've upgraded a lot of schools. We... We made a commitment, uh, the Premier and Deputy Premier, in, in opposition about exactly four years ago, actually. We were in the election campaign, yeah. uh, visited Mernda, um, announced that we would uh, build the Mernda Central P-12 College, uh, but also announced that we would Victoria would become the education state mm. um, if we were elected. And I think we've been really true to our word on that. Uh, you know, in, in the local area, we've built the Mernda Central College, uh, you know, that's now Peter 8 and it'll go up each year until it gets to year 12. Uh, the um, Mernda uh, Park Primary, yep. uh, that's been going two years. Um, Ashley Park Primary in Doreen, that will, it's under construction, will open its doors next year. Uh, new Primary School for Beveridge has been funded, that'll open its doors, uh, begin construction soon and will open its doors in 2020. Yep. Um, we've completed Hazel Glen uh, College which has 3,000 students. It's the largest single-campus school wow. in Australia. We've built new children's centres. Oh, sorry, we've upgraded, uh, completed uh, Wallen Secondary College as well, um, did a VCE wing there. Uh, Whittlesey Secondary College has been upgraded. Diamond Valley College has been upgraded, and we've also committed to another upgrade. <laughs> um, nearby secondary colleges that are just outside the Yanyin electorate that lots of yep. Yanyin students go to. We've upgraded St. Helena, Eltham, Montmorency. Uh, a lot of those schools have um, community use uh, facilities, like stadiums, gyms, yep. playing fields, netball courts. Um, Mernda Central College even has a learn-to-swim pool, okay. uh, which is fantastic. And they thought that the pool would... Uh, so it's used by the students at the school and all the other schools in the district can use it, um, but it's used for learn-to-swim classes for the rest of the time. And uh, the operators thought that it would be fully subscribed within two years. It took 90 days. Wow. Uh, so I just think that's a great use of, of school sites yeah, sure. um, to, to deliver those um, things to the community earlier than what they would have got them. We've done children's centres at Orchard Road in Doreen, at Mernda South, I'm opening one in Beveridge this afternoon, okay. and we've also done one in Wallen. Yeah, so there's been a lot happening there. Oh, yeah. We've set up two new tech schools. Um, they've only just been opened about a month. So one uh, for Whittlesea, which is based at uh, Melbourne Polytechnic Epping Campus, and then one for Banyul and Nillenbeek at the reopened Greensboro TAFE Campus. So that was another thing that we promised the previous government closed uh, the Greensboro TAFE Campus at a time when 
Melbourne North is growing rapidly, needed yeah. more trained professional, uh, more skilled Chinese and, and needed it locally, and they closed that. Mm. And one of the reasons that they said that, uh, that it was closed was because no students could get to it. And I could explain why that was, because 500 buses um, in the Greensboro postcode were cut by yeah. the previous government. You know, it's sort of... But I'm so proud that it's now open. Yeah. And it's also got now this new tech school. And what the tech schools are, it's... They work in partnership with every school in that municipality. So, for example, in Whittlesea, there's 10,000 um, high school students at government and non-government schools. Mm-hmm. So every one of those students will have an opportunity um, to work at the tech school. Mm-hmm. And so they get to work in, in, in small groups. They get to have the most amazing quick equipment. They have lecture theatres, so adult-style learning um, they get to use, you know, robotics, carbon fibre, 3D printing, all sorts of things. Um, but also things like studying the natural environment, lots of um, basically around STEM. So uh, science, tech, you know, tech, engineering, maths. And uh, so we've seen kids at school, primary school now, about three quarters of the jobs that they were working haven't been invented yet. So the tech schools are something that, it's going to address that to give kids skills so that there'll be adaptable skills throughout their life because it's estimated they'll probably have about 17 jobs in yeah. their life. So yeah. you can't necessarily train for one job, but you can train a whole lot of different skills. So, you know, I just think they're, they're remarkable. And they have partnerships with industries, so even local industries that might have, you know, just a problem that they can't work out yeah. and say look, can you get some of the kids to work on it? You know, kids are tech savvy. Yeah, that's right. um, And so they're also, you know, entrepreneur skills and all that. They've uh, got a business incubator at the um, Greensboro campus. Mm. So t- teaching kids small business skills, which we haven't really thought about before. Yeah. And um, I think it's pretty ironic, you know, Labor's painted as being anti-government, but we're the ones that are <laughs> teaching kids how to set up their own business. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of anti-business, I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Labor has been portrayed as that, and we're not at all. We're pro-jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's you know it's been a real joy to see that young people are being able to fulfil their potential yeah. in you know these amazing new and different ways. Yeah. So cool. I think I'm pretty much covered everything. But yeah. um, that's the the thing in Yan Yan, and people say have you still got passion to do the job? Because yeah. I've been in for 16 years, and I'm saddling up to my fifth election. It's always been a marginal seat, and. Yeah. I actually really love that because it forces me to be in contact with people all the time yeah. uh, and you can never rest on your laurels. But because of the growth, um, it feels like it's a new job every year because yeah. I'm meeting new people and um, being able to deliver new stuff. So, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Now, I had one last question. Sure. Which is probably the most important question I think uh, everyone wants to ask. So I noticed on your site that you like to sing karaoke. Mm-hmm. What's your favourite song to sing karaoke? <laughs> oh, goodness me. My favourite song to sing karaoke to. Favourite, favourite. Um, well, I actually really love to sing, not to sing karaoke. <laughs> and um, oh, I, I like Harry, happy songs. I like, um, you know, there's lots of local musos that I've got the yeah. opportunity to get up and have a sing with. <laughs> um, I did, uh, I've always loved Van Morrison and um, funk and things like that but uh, there's a fabulous group called a local group called Blue Dog Cruiser and in the lead up to the last election 
um, they said, oh, look, for a night we might be Green Dog Cruiser. <laughs> and they played at the Bridge Inn. Yeah. And uh, together we decided that uh, to the tune of Ride Sally Ride, uh, we would do... Um, all you gotta do is lay rail to Munda, rail, Munda, rail. So that was what we did. That's really cool. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. So there we go. Thank you, Danielle Green, and what a magnificent voice. And also what great things she has got coming up if she is re-elected. So good luck for that, Danielle. Now let's have a quick listen to the advert from one of our sponsors, Bung Pai Thai Massage in Bandura. Bang Pai Thai Massage. We offer massages in relaxation, Thai and deep tissue. We open every day from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Come on in and see us at number 11 13 20 Plenty Road, Bandura. Or call us on 9466 8996 to make an appointment. Like us on Facebook or become a member to get discounts. So make sure you tune in next week for episode three with Brent Elliott from Stockdale and Lego. So Brent gives a great insight to exactly what he does with the real estate and as an auctioneer as well. He talks about the different advantages of going to auction, uh, putting the house on market, great advice for people that want you to sell their house and the best way to go to prepare for it. So anyone wants to buy a house or sell a house, make sure you're listening. It's a great little interview. So until next week, keep smiling.